Hey, moms, dads, and grandparents. This is Sandra Beck from Military Mom Talk Radio, and I know how hard it is to provide a great education for military kids. K-12 believes every child is uniquely brilliant. So to prepare them for college and succeed beyond high school, they deserve an education designed just for them. Learn more at k12.com front slash grade about enrollment. A child's brilliance comes in many forms. Some are curious, others inventive, some are analytical. K-12 is a full-time, tuition-free, online option to traditional public school. Taught by state-certified teachers, schools powered by K-12 provide an individualized education, enhancing your child's ability to succeed. K-12 programs teach to and embrace your child's unique brilliance. Students from K-12-powered schools go on to fine colleges and universities, enhancing their ability to succeed in life. Be part of the community of families who have succeeded with a tuition-free online K-12 education. K-12 welcomes students from grade K to 12. Visit k12.com front slash grade or call 855-628-9531 for more information about enrolling. That's k12.com front slash grade. Global Broadcasting Networks presents Military Mom Talk Radio. We know behind every soldier, sailor, airman, and marine is the family supporting them. With over 200 episodes in 17 countries, over five seasons, with three million monthly listeners, we are radio strong. Military Mom Talk Radio is sponsored in part by K-12. No matter where our military families are, K-12 enhances your child's ability to succeed. Now, here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Hey, military moms, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Robin Boyd, and we've got a jam-packed show today. We are going to be visiting first with Josh Davis. He wrote a book called Two Awesome Hours, and what I really like about this book, Rob, um, I actually have read it twice now, and I implement the things that uh, Josh is talking about in his book, Um, and it's taken my work day, I know this sounds ridiculous, but my work day has gone down from eight hours to four hours, but yet I'm producing more work and I'm producing it at a better quality. Isn't that beautiful? Because how many times have we gone to bed at night exhausted and said, I didn't get a thing done today, but we, we were busy all day long. We never sat down. We were just go, go, go. But whether it be inter- interruptions or loss of focus, and I'm hoping Dr. Josh can give us some tips and some re- <laughs> reorientation on all of this because we do need to do better in our day. We do need to make our time more efficient. Well, and some of the things 
things that we've done, Rob, is that, um, like, Dr. Josh talks a lot about, you know, how much, like, energy we have in our brains and how many decisions we make a day and how many times that, you know, we make choices in the day to, to do certain things. And one of the things that I have found really helpful from Josh's book, and it's called Two Awesome Hours, um, I have, and I've taught the kids this, Rob, I taught Max and Zach this, like, when we when i start my work day or when the kids start their homework we start the hardest stuff first because like your brain only has so much um energy it can make only so many decisions in the day before it gets fatigued and so we can maximize that and you know i used to like i'm a big procrastinator and i used to push off the stuff i didn't want to do till the end of the day and it would take me like twice as long and so just realigning the kids homework doing the, the the bulk of their hard homework when they first get home you know after a snack and a little rest the bulk of their homework or me getting into the office and doing the bulk of my difficult work or my money producing work Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, making that shift um, means that I spend the most amount of my energy on the things that are most difficult for me, which sounds really obvious, but most of us don't do it that way. Well, sure, because we want to just sort of start into our day and, well, let's get one little thing done. But then um, you realize that you've expended your best focus and your best, uh, your brightness, I guess you could call it. And I um, I like the th- uh, thought that his website is called Bright Sight Group because think about it we are when we are bright when we are engaged when we are on our game that's when we can challenge cha- uh, take any challenge and we can conquer the world at that point in time so um, that's that's wonderful that we can actually put some scientific evidence behind it absolutely I'd like to bring on Josh Davis um, he wrote a book called Two Awesome Hours and Josh I was just sharing with our listeners um, Um, What I did with my kids and with myself about putting our most difficult homework first or putting our most uh, my most difficult work first in the morning. And the one thing I forgot to say is when I have the kids do their most difficult homework first, Rob, the thing that's weird that I notice, they ask me a lot fewer questions. If the tough homework is done later in the night or later in their homework thing, they ask me a lot more questions. They get frustrated more easily. So it's actually a win win for both of us from the home work and the work standpoint. Josh, why is it that when we do our most difficult tasks kind of first or, you know, while we're fresh, why is that easier for us? Well, you know, I think that's a great example of managing your mental energy really well. That, uh, you know, when we have the right mental energy, when we can really think clearly and be present and, you know, make decisions easily, then there are, uh, there are a lot of tasks that we can really kind of get through in very little time. Um, you know, it could be hard things. It could be something creative. It could be challenging. It could be new. It could be a tough math homework set. Um, and actually the very same thing, you know, we tend to think of these as just sort of abilities that you, either you have it or you don't. But the same person at a different time of day or after you know, being worn out from working all day long or it's just been awake too long or, or um, you know, haven't eaten in too many hours, that the very same person actually can be less capable uh, of thinking clearly, making decisions quickly, paying attention, being present with what they're trying to do, staying on task, that we actually, you know, our abilities, because we're biological creatures, 
these this sort of this mental energy that we have does shift and it depends on a number of you know naturally fluctuating biological factors and so when once you know that it makes sense to think about okay what work needs my best mental energy energy not just how can i squeeze it all into the calendar how not just how can i feel like i'm making some progress but what work needs my best mental energy and how can i set myself up for that and with something like homework Usually it's in the evening, and so it's quite likely that your best mental energy will be what you know what you have first, and that you know towards later on in the evening you're really going to be running out. Josh, what are the when you're talking about biological um, effects or or uh, circumstances? How much of your focus is physiological versus psychological? Hmm. Well, you know, uh, for people in the field, we actually, uh, you know, we actually, the more you know, the less you draw the distinction that they're just there. They become two ways of talking about the same phenomena. One of them is talking about the experience of it. And one of them is talking about the mechanisms. But, you know, they're, they're really one in the same. You know, I can talk about, I can talk about feeling angry, or I can talk about, uh, having elevated blood pressure and narrowed focus and, you know, a hard time letting thoughts go and a lot of rumination. And, and you know, one of them is just a higher level description than the other, you know, a bigger, more abstract, you know, description. And the other is just getting a little bit more concrete about what anger really is, what's going on. And, and so, you know, the more you learn about the brain and the body and, and the brain and the mind, the more you realize that, there isn't really a distinction. It's not. It's not that the mind somehow influences the body. It's that you know the mind is a readout of what's happening in the body. Um, it's a, it's a philosophical shift that I think actually frees people up. Frees me. Think about. it's it's really important because you know i used to think of myself rob and you you remember these days where i really thought i was an inexhaustible resource oh yeah and you haven't know? we all been there haven't we all thought oh you know what i'll take on one more job oh i'll do i can do that yeah sure i'll pick up the kids and get all of that done um we've all been there and sometimes it's out of necessity i mean <laughs> think of the things that we have to do um and and sometimes you just have to and maybe we're not on our best game so uh finding those two awesome hours i think um is is the premium um for us all because um and and i wanted to ask josh when you say um get your most important work done, uh, be your most productive every day. How much time does it really take for us to really settle into that kind of a habit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how long does it take to, to start to, to do this, to settle in, in the sense of, um, you know, days making it, make it useful, but also just like today, let's say I want to start doing this today. How long before I can really get down to work? Um, what is, I think, particularly useful is to uh, to be able to um, step back for a moment before you work, to just have, it can be 30 seconds even, and to 
to reconnect with um, what is really the most important work for you that day. And I, so, for example, today, it was very important for me to uh, make sure that I can really be here with you and not be distracted while uh, we're on this call. There was also a lecture that I was giving, and it was very important to me to be really clear and present for that and, and to really know what I wanted to say for that lecture. Other things today are not as important. Um, and so, you know, it's easy for me to identify those. The challenge is remembering those things at the right time. It's so easy to, you know, to, although I know those two things are the most important today, it's so easy for me to, uh, you know, sit down at the computer and see all of the requests for this and that and meetings people want to have and, and who knows what. And so taking that little bit of time right before I start to ask myself what's important so that I can decide what to do. That is going to make all the difference. Once you have remembered that, then it's just, you know, then it actually doesn't need to take very long at all. But the challenge is in learning how important it is to remember to do that. And, and one thing that goes a long way towards learning how, you know, how important that is and sort of understanding how to go about doing that is recognizing that, that we're on autopilot most of the time. Most of the time, once you get going on a task, and I'm sure most people listening will have this experience, you start checking your email, it could be an hour before you finish, you know, and you sort of realize, whoa, where did the time go? You know, you start reading an article, you can just be lost on it for a half hour. Where did the time go? So, you know, instead, what we can do is to, is, is to realize that we're probably going to get lost on autopilot once we get started. And that's how time gets wasted. That if you start on the wrong task, time gets wasted. So the trick is to catch yourself before you've started the task because that's when you can make a decision. So it's right before you've started a task, right after you've ended a task. You know, those are the times when you can make a decision about what to work on. And the key is capturing those. So focusing on those Josh, brief our, moments. Our first task of this afternoon is our first commercial break. And we're going to pick up on the other side of the break with Dr. Josh Davis from Bright Sight Group. Com. Stay with us. We've got lots more ahead. Stay with us on Military Mom Talk Radio. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it's time for the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. Marla believes that with the right mindset, anything is possible. Join us as successful life coach Marla Tabaka inspires you and her clients to explore, discover, and live your dreams by developing what she calls the Million Dollar Mindset. Marla will inspire you to take action on your dreams and reveal secrets to success that will help you realize your own unique power. Tune into the Million Dollar Mindset for heartwarming stories with Marla Tabaka. Learn tips and tricks to building a successful business and unlock the secrets to creating a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. For more information on the Million Dollar Mindset, go to our website, MarlaTabaka.com. That's M-A-R-L-A-T-A-B-A-K-A.com. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. 
traditional American breakfast, including fried egg, bacon, toast, and potatoes, must seem really heavy to the rest of the world. When my husband and I were in the Amazon, our breakfast consisted of crocodile, deep-fried piranha, and bananas. I can assure you, I ate pretty lightly. For breakfast in Russia, some people enjoy a spoonful of jam in their tea. Now that sounds yummy. What's a word for a person who loves jam? A paziwala. What's another word for weak tea? Whack rowdy dow. Salamagundi was originally an English dish of chopped meat, anchovies, and eggs, garnished with onions, lemon juice, oil, and condiments. Mornings at our house are too hectic to go to all that trouble for breakfast. I'm scrambling just to get some eggs on the table. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We're back with more great conversation on Military Mom Talk Radio. Ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Robin Boyd, and this is Military Mom Talk Radio, and we're visiting with Josh Davis today um, because we can't get any more hours in our day. You know, I'm a single mom. I have two kids. I run a company. Many of you have spouses who are on deployment. You're doing full-time job. You're doing full-time child care 24-7. So nobody knows more than I do how hard it is to get things done. And what I found after reading Josh Davis's book, I can't give him a bigger endorsement uh, because I gave him uh, some uh, – I gave – I gave his 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 techniques whatever a try because I couldn't get any more hours in my day so I had to figure out something and I really found that using like five of his techniques Rob every single day has helped me get more done I'm less stressful uh with my kids I'm less stressful at work and um, I'm just, I'm just functioning better and it doesn't cost anything. It's just switching some things around that really made a difference. So I want you to realize that you don't need to change. You just need to switch some of the ways you're doing things. And Josh's book explained it to me from a standpoint of an athlete. It's like, I was a college athlete. I've got, you know, I was a college swimmer and, and, you know, from the time I was four years old and I knew when my body was tired, I needed to rest it, but I didn't understand my brain was the same way in making decisions. And Josh, I really want to talk about that because one of the things I stopped doing was playing video games when I'd wake up in the morning because it's the only time I could get the iPad, you know, from my kids. And um, I stopped doing that because I was playing these really complex games and my (laughs) brain would get tired. Rob, some of the other things that I did to change my way of doing things, we talked about like doing the most difficult things uh, in our day first. But the other thing was limiting the number of things I did that required lots of decisions because, you know, my job requires me to make a lot of decisions. So gaming, especially the type of games I was playing, was not relaxing. It was using up my bandwidth of like if I have 100,000 decisions in my head every day that can be made comfortably, why would I burn? a thousand of them off on a video game yeah yeah it's true i think as he said we need to assess what i guess it's it boils down to your old-fashioned to-do list in a way if you know you have to uh, accomplish x y and z and those are the most challenging for you um i i guess 
by looking at everything that you've got in a day, um, it's sort of a check check one, check two, check three kind of a thing. Oh, well, what I was going to say is, is I think that that's a great catch that you made, Sandra, with uh, with the video games in the morning, that each of us has different ways of sabotaging ourselves. Um, and uh, But the trick is, you know, understanding the criteria to watch out for. So, you know, first thing in the morning, most people are actually in a pretty good shape. If you've gotten a good night's sleep, then typically in the morning, you actually can think pretty clearly. You haven't worn yourself out. Now, as the day goes on and you make more decisions, you're actually wearing down that capacity. And it's not that you couldn't keep going if you needed to, but it's that it gets harder. And it's just like, you know, if you've been, you know, running for a few miles, it was harder to then run for another few miles. You could with sufficient motivation, but, you know, it's the same thing with the brain. And so we, we make a lot of decisions and then it gets to a point where it just gets harder to make decisions. So... So in the morning, what many people will do is they'll lean over and pick up their phone and quickly start checking emails. Well, every email requires a decision. Should I respond now? How should I respond? You know, and so on. It requires processing new information. It requires a lot of focus. And the video games, too, actually, is going to require a lot of focus, a lot of processing information, maybe not as many decisions, but still a number of them, you know, and how you're going to play the game and so on. So you're actually waking up and wearing yourself out right before You've had a chance to do something else. And so, but so it doesn't mean avoid the video games. It just means switch the order of things. It means do the, play the video games later in the day or on a day when you don't need to be at your best, you know, if you're just going to be doing some routine work. And it doesn't matter if you show up at your best. So it's, it's catching those little kinds of things that we do. And I think that's a great example of how you don't need to have a whole new strategy and, you know, learn a whole new set of ways to structure your time. It's just a few lessons about how the brain works that, that you can start putting in, into practice right away. That was very important to me in writing this book was that, you know, people who are overwhelmed and, you know, so many people are. And, and as you were describing, you know, people in the military have so many tasks put upon them, so many stressors, so many different aspects of their lives to manage. You know, that it, there's just the, the concept of being able to accomplish it all is nearly impossible. And so, so good people who work hard end up feeling quite overwhelmed and typically will just try to cram it all in because that's, that's what would make sense logically if you got the same output every time you ran the machine. But we're not machines. You don't get the same output. However, you can really get fantastic output from a human in short bursts of time, and then you don't need to be working constantly. So it's a different focus. It's sort of like understanding a few of these things. And because so many people work so hard, it was critical that I, that I not create something where you had to do more work just to put it into practice. So I was, I was looking for, for ways to communicate how we can think differently um, or reorder what we're doing or set ourselves up with exercise and, um, you know, uh, understand and, and through, through understanding when we're overusing our attention and things like that, so that as soon as you put the book down, you can start putting the stuff into practice. I think that's really key. So, you know, I think you've given a great example of that as well with this example of the video games in the morning. 
Well, and, you know, Josh, I live in Southern California, you know, where there's no water and, you know, energy bills are high, you know, to run air conditioning. And I think about like, you know, we look for energy leaks in our house, you know, we look for water leaks in our pipes. And one of the things that struck me, you know, after, you know, doing three interviews with you and reading your book twice, um, I'm probably like, you know, the, the, you know, your, your biggest fan right now, but as I never thought about what are energy leaks in my body, like energy leaks for me, like, do I really need to be doing this now? Is this the best use of my energy? And when I came to the conclusion, you know, which I did with Rob a couple of years ago that, you know, I'm not an inexhaustible resource and that I needed to manage my resources just like I manage the energy usage in my home from water, air conditioning, you know, we teach our kids to turn the lights off. Right. We get up, you know, to, you know, as soon as my kids were four or five years old, hey, shut your lights off, leave the room, save energy. You know, why are we not teaching our kids and ourselves how to manage our own body energy systems? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we teach our kids to turn the lights off and yet we teach them the exact opposite when it comes to their mental well-being. We teach them to push themselves to the limit. Um, And so, there's, you know, there's an element of. Uh, it's a real deep part of, of American culture, at least, to test your limits and to push yourself. Um, and yet, in this case, it ends up being counterproductive, where you actually won't be able to accomplish as much and as quickly if you try to just push your limits in terms of endurance. But if you try to push your limits in terms of mastering the art of being productive, you know, I think that's a really different focus. Josh, what do you think about power naps? Do you think they really do help us re kind of regenerate for the rest of the day? Yeah, so there are several things that will help you regenerate. We're all going to come across times when we're a little bit worn out. It's a little hard to think clearly. Um, now, most of the time, uh, until you learn to do it, then uh, what people do is, is just sort of they don't recognize uh, that they're starting to get worn out. And I certainly I do this from time to time also. I'll just, uh, you know, I'll be working in some document and a couple hours will go by. And it's not until I stop that I realize I can't even really think clearly. Um, So, you know, but at that moment, what I've learned to do is to actually pay attention to that and notice that I can't really think clearly. And that's one of the things we can start to do, that when we do stop something or when we get interrupted, by the way, that's, that's actually a golden moment. That's an opportunity. It's frustrating when somebody interrupts you, but they've just given you a gift. When that person leaves, you now can check in with yourself to see if you can think clearly and if you're working on the right task. And, you know, 50% of the time at least, I'm not working on the right task, and it really helps me helps me to step back and shift. But So that's one of the things we can do, learn to do, is to check in and say, can I think clearly right now? And so when you can't, then there are several things you can do to refresh. One is a power nap, um, which absolutely can help you refresh. One is actually just a little daydreaming letting your mind wander, not explicitly trying to think about anything, just staring out the window or going for a little bit of a walk. Another is a little bit of mild exercise. And, of course, this will all depend on how much energy you have right now and how easy it is to exercise. You know, and, and another one, believe it or not, and this one, it just seems so silly and so simple, but it actually makes a measurable difference in your mood, your level of hostility, um, is uh, to have a little bit of water. Um, a little bit of uh, a refresh. Those people who are addicted to caffeine, and I'm one of them, then, uh, you know, if it's been a few hours since your last dose, then 
then, uh, you know, getting your next dose of caffeine also (laughs) actually does help people focus and get back in there. The thing to know about caffeine, though, is that if you have more than your dose, it won't work. It won't work. It's just like the opposite. Yeah. But let's get let's get into the habit of a little more water, and we all could use that. Dr. Josh Davis, we have had a fascinating um, uh, time with you. We want to make sure that everyone finds your book, Two Awesome Hours, Science-Based Strategies to Harness Your Best Time and Get Your Most Important Work Done. We want to direct you to the book-specific website, which is two awesomehours.com. Josh Davis, thank you so much for being with us. We look forward to hearing more from you in the future. Thank you so much. Take care. Be with us uh, and we stay with us. We have Dr. Vicki Panchone on the other side with betterparentinginstitute.com. We've got lots more ahead. Stay with us on Military Mom Talk Radio. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors. All quilters, just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. We're back with more great conversation on Military Mom Talk Radio. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Robin Boyd. And Rob, wasn't he, I mean, I wish that the audio had been better. I mean, we can't, you know, predict these things. It's a live show, but... his book is Two Awesome Hours, and it's really helped me, you know, kind of reorganize because I'm sure, Rob, you've known me a long time. I don't know, 12 years, 13 years, something like that. Um, you have to notice that my stress level has gone way down, even though I seem to be doing more than ever. Well, and it's true, and I find that you um, you have harnessed um, – your important things and put it in, it's almost like putting it in in perspective. It's not, um, I think when we're tired, we can't handle stress. We can't handle the decisions and therefore we make poorer choices. And this way we are focusing our best energy for our most important part of the day. And, um, then we enjoy the rest. Yeah, well, and I think just the prioritizing of, you know, homework before video games, you know, seems pretty obvious, but I love that there's a brain, uh, there's a brain rationale behind it, you know, that we're not just arbitrarily, you know, assigning things to our kids. Right. Right. And that's part of better parenting, isn't it? It is. It is. And part of better parenting is bringing on our next guest, uh, Dr. Vicki Panchone, um, because, you know, most of us, Rob, 
cannot afford private therapy for our children. Most of us are limited by our insurance or high co-payments, or we might not be in an area that, that, you know, therapy is, or therapeutic intervention is not only affordable, but reasonable from a driving standpoint, if you're on a base. And then, you know, because of so many issues with the military, you know, people not wanting your stuff to go public, because God knows how great, you know, we are at security um, with with this stuff. Um, There's a million reasons why parents wouldn't uh, be able to get you know, therapeutic therapeutic intervention for their kids, but that's why we bring on a lot of these specialists so that you know we can help where we can. And one of those specialists today is Dr. Vicky Panchone. And uh, Dr. Vicky, are you with us? I am, and it's wonderful to be here. Great, great. Now, let's talk a little bit before we talk about you know the issues that we're going to cover today. Your background, so our listeners know who they're listening to. Well, I'm a licensed clinical psychologist. I specialize in working with children, parents, and uh, families. My goal is to help parents raise happy, healthy, successful kids and enjoy the ride. That's a tall order. (laughs) (laughs) That's the operative word, isn't it, or the operative phrase? (laughs) Absolutely. I I really think I, I I put out a lot of fires. But really, I think that our job as parents is the best thing that we do, and raising our kids to become who they're supposed to be is our most important job. Well, and I like how you said that, uh, Dr. Vicki, because it's about the kids being coming the best they can be, not what we think they should be. And I wanted today to talk a little bit about anger because I have a lot of kids in my household, uh, Dr. Vicki, over and over. You know, I'm a single mom, so I don't know. I tend to take in every kid in the neighborhood who who needs assistance, um, probably because there's no husband to argue with me about bringing in strays. But one of the things that I notice so much in these kids is that they're angry and they're angry not because they don't have every material thing under the sun but a lot of times these parents in pursuit of their own dreams and I'm not knocking that because we all need to pursue our dreams but you know like I have a particular family of kids that I care for they show up at my house all the time and you know the parents have fancy cars they've got a boat they've got an RV they've got a big house they've got all these things the mom is always picking up extra shifts at the hospital the dad is I don't you know whatever but you know this kid throws himself on the ground and cries at soccer. He's frustrated beyond belief. And I want to talk today about being present for your kids because showing up isn't enough. And I see these parents on their cell phones, they're playing games, they're texting. They have not even taken their eyeballs off this device to look at the baseball field or the soccer field. And it's showing up in our kids. And I really want to talk about kids' anger and where a lot of this stems from. Well, you've come to the right place because I see children in my office the same thing. And the idea of being present is is so important because children are going to get your attention one way or the other. And if you are not giving it to them, they will act up. Not necessarily consciously, but they want you. And they can get positive attention or they can get negative attention. But one way or the other, they're going to get you. What does it mean to be present? You know, that's a term we hear so much in the media. Oh, you got to be present for your kids. You got to show up for your kids. And I'm like, if I hear that one more time, 
you know, I want the ad campaigns to be put the damn phone down, you know. (laughs) Right, exactly, because that's really what we're saying. I mean, you can't just be there in body and be on your phones. And there are so many times I have children in my office who say, I mean, their their mom or their dad were in the stands, but they missed the shot. They missed seeing them do whatever because they were on their phones. And I think that we have become so addicted and we've lost perspective and also what our priorities are. I mean, when we're with our children, to be present is to give them our attention. I mean, I don't know if you know this, but there's um, a lot being written now that at the hospital ERs, it's called um, distracted parent syndrome. They're having a lot more kids, like accidents in the playground and things like that, coming to the ER because the parents are not watching. I mean, it's literally... It's literally a syndrome. And nine times out of ten, the parents are on their phone. They're looking down. They're not watching their children. And they're not being involved or even present in terms of giving the supervision that children need. I suppose it's the same as texting and driving. We're not supposed to have a phone in our hand when we're driving. Why should we have that phone in our hand when the safety of our children is – it takes a second. Every mom will will validate that it just takes a second and they fall off whatever or they they run into whatever or they they get they get knocked over because of whatever um how what is one of the things that you're telling some of the clients that come to you uh about finding time to be present do they write an hour in on the on the calendar do they um do kids sort of when that trigger moment happens do moms need to know oh that's that's my trigger point i need to refocus and and really spend about 15 minutes just talking to my child i think they just need to put down the devices i mean even the the children too i mean everybody's on their device nowadays and i i think it's just important if you are at an event or at dinner with your children pay attention to your kids having a conversation with your children. I I wrote a book that's called What Kids Would Tell You If Only You'd Ask, and it's 101 conversations to have with your kids that you never have to have. It's not like sex and religion and driving and drinking. and It's it's conversations just to get to know your kids because Mm -hmm. the art of conversation is being lost. I mean, I go to restaurants, and I watch everybody at the table on their phone. So for, for me, what I tell parents is, to put down your phone, shut it off, pocket it, maybe have a an electronics-free hour or two hours and just don't, there's nothing that's that important. There really isn't, especially if you're with your kids. I mean, if, if we're away from our children, the real important phone call we might get would be about our kids. And if we're with our children, there's nothing that's really urgent that we can't be mindful and present of our kids. And children see this, and they really... They really understand that they are not the priority, that parents' phones and what's ever going on on the phone is a priority. I, I have been in this business for 30 years, and I always have new children draw me a picture of their family and have everybody doing something. And in the last many years now that we've had phones, more and more and more drawings are mom or dad's on their phone. I'm playing, this one's doing this and mom or dad's on the phone or on the computer. And they're very either consciously or at least subconsciously aware that the focus is being taken away from them. And 
And how do you explain that? How do you really explain to your child that whatever you are doing on your phone is more important? Well, and I'm going to flip it around, Dr. B, because I had this thing where, you know, my dad got a new cell phone. He's 81. And then my two kids were on their devices. And then I was on my computer and we were all watching TV, which is very funny because we weren't watching TV. Everybody's on the, you know, otherwise occupied. Uh And we had been over to a friend's house. And at first I was horrified when she did this, but now I get it. And now I do it in my house. She has this pretty box and she takes the box out and she walks around and says, okay, put your device in, you know, so the iPad, the tablet, the Chromebook, um, um, the the iPhones, everything goes into the box and she shuts the box and she goes, okay, now we're going to have family time because family time does not mean we're all independently wired in. And, you know, and thanks, Rob, for letting me take this to commercial break because I'm about to go on a rant, Dr. Vicki, and I want to hear what you have to say after the break. But I am so damn sick and tired of these parents telling me, well, we want to empower our children to make their own decision. These boys in my house, every single time Dr. Vicki will choose Batman, they will choose Batman Arkham Knight, they choose Xbox, they use PS2, everything like that over soccer and baseball and music training and dance training. Every single time, even my own children, given their own choice. And Mm -hmm. where is the parent? The parents on their own phone, they're not even mindful of what the kid's doing on their phone. And, you know, are you going to text your child in the other room, come to breakfast? I can't can't tell you how many families do that. And I I totally agree that it's got to be, but it has to start from the parent. So if the parent's always on their devices, they're setting the example. Parents are the active blueprint for their children to model. Well, right. And it's like, I think that we're raising a zombie generation. I have kids that can tell me everything about these electronic devices. And when I throw it a ball at them, and these are not just nerds in my household, I throw a ball at them and they can't catch it. And, you know, there's a real problem in our community. And you know what? I grew up in the country with no electronic devices. We only had three stations where I lived. You couldn't even get more (laughs) stations than that. And we had one television. My dad commanded it for the hockey game. So ladies, listen. Listening today, it's really, really important. Put your phone down, put your device down because your kids are suffering for it and so are you. And when you look back and go, wow, where did the time go? My kids are growing up so fast. Don't miss it because you're playing Candy Crush. This is Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. And boy, am I in a mood today, Rob. When we come back from the break, I'm just going to, I just, I, you know, I probably need a, a we'll be or right back. <laughs> We'd love to hear from you. Check us out at MilitaryMomTalkRadio.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook. Our shows are available on iTunes anytime from 0-100 hours to 23:59. For now, stay right where you are. There's more Military Mom Talk Radio after these messages. moms, dads, and grandparents. This is Sandra Beck from Military Mom Talk Radio, and I know how hard it is to provide a great education for military kids. K-12 believes every child is uniquely brilliant, so to prepare them for college and succeed beyond high school, they deserve an education designed just for them. Learn more at k12.com front slash grade about enrollment. A child's brilliance comes in many forms. Some are curious, others inventive, some are analytical. K-12 is a full-time, tuition-free, online option to traditional public school. 
Taught by state-certified teachers, schools powered by K-12 provide an individualized education, enhancing your child's ability to succeed. K-12 programs teach to and embrace your child's unique brilliance. Students from K-12 powered schools go on to fine colleges and universities, enhancing their ability to succeed in life. Be part of the community of families who have succeeded with a tuition-free online K-12 education. K-12 welcomes students from grade K to 12. Visit k12.com front slash grade or call 855-628-9531 for more information about enrolling. That's k12.com front slash grade. We're back with more great conversation on Military Mom Talk Radio. Hey, Military Moms, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Robin Boyd. I'd like to excuse Robin Boyd from any flashback or feedback from my rant because <laughs> I have just had it, Dr. Vicki. I have had it with these video games, and the funny thing is, is... I am a hardcore gamer. When, you know, gaming first came out, I was the one with the water-chilled computer. I can tell you about any video game. I can play Minecraft with the kids as well as anybody. So I'm not some archaic, you know, throwback that says I want things to be the way they were in the 50s. But I've got kids that come and talk to me, and your kid might be one of them, that if you're always on your phone or then they learn from you to always be on their device, there's no communication. And I will tell you, I had to cut myself off. I talked about this in the first part of today's show, Dr. V, because I, you know, I was playing Candy Crush in the morning before I'd get up, before I'd get the kids ready, because it's the only time I could get my hands on the family iPad. And, uh, you know, it was using up my brain power for work. So, so Dr. Davis told me, hey, you know, you need to move this stuff around, which I did, and it made a big difference. But I got to tell you, when I play some of these games, like I used to play Buck Hunt Pro, where you get to shoot, you know, um, you get to shoot things. It was so much fun and it was so great. And I became so aggressive, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and I'm a grown up. Yeah. I want to um, ask Dr. Vicki, when we say, all right, we're going to have an hour without, and it's nice if we can just sit down and talk, what about, um, what are your thoughts about what to do with filling um, our children's day with other things? Um, do we in, give them chores that are more uh, interactive kind of chores? Do we give them, uh, I know one-on-one talking time, but... Are there other things maybe that we could um, sort of the old-fashioned implementing? Now, I, I just texted in the in the chat area. I see my neighbor out playing ball with his daughter. They just went for a quick walk around our little cul-de-sac, and now they're going back inside for whatever. I think that everything in moderation is okay. So I'm not saying – and this is the electronic age. So I'm not saying we need to go back to the 50s and 60s, although – 
they were wonderful times. Uh, I, I think that everything in moderation, but what's happening is that the limits are not being placed, the boundaries and the, the good examples of I'm on my phone or I'm on my device or I'm gaming for whatever amount of time, but then I stop and I do other things. It's, it's becoming excessive. So if you want to give your kids a certain amount of time that they can play during the week or on the weekends, I, I think that's fine. But the limits need to be set. And so then there's time to do many, many, many other kinds of things. So certainly chores are important. Homework and schoolwork is important. One-on-one time, family time, alone time, neighborhood kid time. So the kids are not doing any of those other things because they're, they're on their, their devices. And so I think if parents limit them, and, and I know, I'm, I'm sure that there are a lot of moms out there saying, oh, my gosh, if I try to limit it, there's going to be a battle. Or if I try to say no electronics during the week, only on the weekend, my kid's going to go ballistic. But guess what? If that's going to happen, then you've already got a problem. I want to ask you with that because I have this problem in my household and Mm -hmm. I have, you know, a problem like many other parents have. My kids play sports. They've got, you know, two or three hours of practice after week, a couple days a week. They've got soccer all day on Sunday Um, and then they're straight A students. So they're, you know, they're really good in the classroom and they really do help me around the house. They do all the things that I ask of them. But the problem that I have, it's almost like a junkie. The minute they're done with all that stuff, that is the only thing they want to do. You know, they only want to go in there and and play these video games. And they're getting old. My kids are 9 and 12 now. So I can't, you know, I used to trick them and put these, you know, educational games on, you know, so at least they were getting, (laughs) you know, so now they're old enough. And they're like, no, I want Mario and I want Batman Arkham Knight. and, And that's it. And I took my older son to the bookstore this weekend and we walked around the entire Barnes and Nobles in which he declared, now granted, he's a preteen, so he's apt to do this. There is not one good book in this bookstore because nothing had to do with the Batman Arkham Knight video game. So what do you do with that? Well, again, I think that there needs to be limits. They are like junkies. It's like, okay, I'm done. When can I get on? When can I get on again? And and so, again, if you limit it and say, okay, you can get on, but here's the time. I'm going to set the timer. You got 30 minutes. You got an hour, whatever you've decided, and maybe give a 10-minute or 5-minute warning, but then that's it. It comes off, and then they find other things to do. So they go outside and play, or they build Legos, or they get creative, or they do crafts, or they come out and have a chat with you, or brownies with you I mean anything else it's just as long as it's limited and monitored it that's the important thing that that parents set limits and boundaries and be consistent and follow through with what they say that's what your children will learn is okay I can get on it but I only have so much time my my ploy <laughs> when my kids were younger, and especially when they were in that preteen uh, difficult time, um, I'd always ask them for help. I'd say that I didn't understand something, and how would um, how how can I do this? And what do you think? And it, it could be anything from putting some linoleum down on the landing down cellar or or whatever. But I would ask them for their advice and somehow giving them that um, 
expertise in something else other than the game gave them a little more self-confidence to think, okay, there's more things that I can do. And I don't know if I was out in left field with that kind of ploy, but I have to say, of course, back then we didn't have the same kind of games that kids Mm -hmm. do today, but um, it was engaging them in a different way. And I guess that's what I was asking of your advice as far as other ways to engage our kids. Engaging them in, in a different way is a, a great phrase, and I love what you did. And I think that we, we empower our children and we validate them and say, you are important and we want, I want your input when you say, hey, what do you think about laying this linoleum or whatever it is? Or can you come in and, and measure the flour while I'm making the cookies or wh- whatever it is? Or can you cut the lettuce for the salad or engage them in, in other ways and bring out a good old-fashioned board game or a card game? Or play something together, charades, or, I mean, just teach them some of the old things. I, I play board games in my office. I have, I have no electronics in my office for when I do therapy with kids. And, I mean, I have 8-year-olds and 7-year-olds will get out Candyland or, or, and say, oh, I remember playing this when I was a kid. When you were a kid, you're still a kid. <laughs> and, and they say, and I, and, or, or they'll take out Starry. They love Starry and Uno and, I mean, just the good old-fashioned games that, and that, and I said, you know, I bet you've got this on a shelf somewhere. Why don't you go ask mom or dad if they can find it for you? Uh, because they love playing the games with me. But that's because they're away from their electronics and they have to find other things to do, and they really love it. And it's interactive, and it's very developmentally appropriate, and... There's a lot of things you can get. I, I wrote a whole thing about, I think there were like 20 or 25 benefits of playing Candyland with your children, your young children. Like 25 benefits of playing that board game. I wrote another article about maybe 20 benefits of playing Jenga with your older children. And there's so much you get in, in interacting, so much you get information when you're playing with your kids that you don't get when you're on your electronics. Well, and I'm just going to buzz in here and go, because, you know, when I hear you say this, I know it's right, but there's a big old lazy side of me that goes, oh, I've got to get the games out. I've got to put them on the table. That means that I can't watch, you know, Frasier or my downtime, you know, and, I, and I'm just being totally honest here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's an effort. It, it, I will do it because I, I wrote down I'm going to have tech-free Tuesday, which means, you know, Tuesday nights we're going to be tech-free, all of us. You know, no devices, no anything. I don't know what we're going to do. I'll probably have a stroke. Um, and then I thought, well, what about Wednesday night game night? Because that's the one night we don't have soccer. You know, we don't have baseball. We don't have, you know, handbells or ballet. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to implement Wednesday night game night. And we're just going to start slow. You know, I'm going to pick one game and we'll play it at the kitchen table for like a half an hour. But it's going to be a big effort for me and I know that sounds ridiculous because both of my kids like on Tuesday nights that's like my bath time (laughs) Uh and you know when you're juggling everything it's it's an effort but it's you know as much as I rant and rave it's an effort that I'm willing to make and I put the challenge out to other moms because if I can do it as a single mom two kids company owner taking care of my 81 year old dad if I can do it you can do it and you're not going to lose pulling out a family game once a week. Oh, Sandra, you know what? I, I know what you're saying. It's kind of like it's going to be a challenge and, oh, it's going to be an effort. And I think initially it will, again, because it's, it's, it's adding something else into your busy schedule. So 
kudos to you for even thinking about doing it. However, the benefit that you're going to get, like like a 30 minutes or an hour of uninterrupted interaction, playing games, laughing, challenging with your boys, when you really look at it that way, I mean, there's nothing more important to do during that time than be with your kids, totally being with your children. And the key word is enjoying. Don't make it an effort like, oh, I'm going to sit down and play a board game right now because then it's going to be an effort and they're going to feel it. But if you go, hey, guys, you know what? Mom, Mom used to love playing this game. I really want to play it with you. Let's do it and have fun and laugh and kid around and joke and 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 encourage them and praise them and good for you you're you're ahead of me and all that kind of stuff you're going to get a whole lot of benefit and your children are going to get a whole lot of benefit because you made them their priority your priority okay i'm sold i'll do it uh Okay, I've got Candyland and Shoots and Ladders. And I, you know, and the sad thing was, you know, Dr. V, I spent my entire childhood playing board games with my brothers and sisters, and I loved them. I bet you I own, I bet you I own 25 different customized Scrabble games from the NHL mm-hmm. Scrabble to the uh, Harry Potter Scrabble. And, you know, I've been buying them and collecting them because I wanted to play with my kids. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just going to say it. I'm ashamed to say that they're all sitting in the box. They're sitting on the shelf. And until today, it occurred to me at times to take them out. But now I got to put my money where my mouth is. If I'm going to shoot my mouth off on the air yelling at everybody else to get off their phone, I got to <laughs> pony up. You do. You do. And then you can come back and tell tell me and tell your listeners how it went. But Candyland and Shoots and Ladders are too, is too young. They're too young for your boys unless they choose them. Right, or but, we could play them backwards because I like to do things backwards. We're like, okay, but we'll sometimes play they do. I backwards. mean, I have even twelve-year-olds who who will reminisce, like, oh man, I loved, I used to play this game, and then they'll play it. She'll give them a variety, even, and say, which one do you want to choose? And and I wouldn't even be surprised if they pick Candyland because it it, it brings them back to their childhoods. Okay, girls, there you go. There's the gauntlet. Dr. Panchone, right from the doctor's mouth. Military (laughs) Mom Talk Radio will be back next week. Thanks for tuning in to Military Mom Talk Radio. Want more information? Check us out at MilitaryMomTalkRadio.com or find us on iTunes for more than 200 free episodes. Drop us an email or find us on Facebook. We are looking forward to another great discussion. We hope you'll join us on Military Mom Talk Radio.